Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Dave from Stand Up Tragedy, speaking to you live from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm in the Stand Up Tragedy HQ, speaking to you from a kitchen with the producer, Bryony, standing behind the microphone. We've got other members of the team running around doing lots of important and tragic acts, such as Andy Bodor, Stephen Harvey, Elizabeth Bailey, my co-producer, and we've got Una O'Leary over from America. We've got Charlie Lucy Harrison, my wonderful replacement host occasionally. So that's the team. We're putting together our live shows every day until the 14th at the Fiddler's Elbow Downstairs, Venue 71, 6.30 till 7.30, one hour of tragedy every day. And we're putting together our podcasts. They're going out daily throughout the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And we're here as part of the PBH Free Fringe. And here on the podcast, we share highlights of our performance and we share festival moments that we have captured running around with microphones. The kind of moments that we like to capture are tragic moments and you can find them under the hashtag tragic moments. Please tweet them, Facebook them, share them with us. You can send us longer form tragedy at upstandingtragedy at gmail.com. And here's the kind of tragedies that we've been gathering. Daniel Simpson, who's been a performer with us, has provided some live tragic moments over Twitter in picture form where he's sent a few pictures of his tragic time here trying to give away his book Rough Guide to the Dark Side for free. That book is something that people who love tragedy should absolutely consider why not buy it save him from tragedy that comes from being a writer that never gets paid another tragic moment we have here is from charlie harrison who is a member of the stand-up tragedy team which says drinking so much that your body forgets how to sleep hashtag tragic moments that happened very early on in our run when charlie was embracing the festival through the power of drink she's been embracing the festival through the power of writing comedy and doing great and amazing work since then we bring together all of the best performers from across the pbh free fringe and further today we have mel jones and alan wolfson who come together themselves for their naughty and hilarious night called Friggers of Speech, which they run in London, that they've also been doing up here in Edinburgh at the Royal Oak. And they each performed on a different stand-up tragedy night. And we've taken them from those nights and we've put them back together again. So here's what they chose to perform for us at Stand Up Tragedy. everybody I'm very short that's too high let's see how we go on with like one arm I'll just there we go that's a bit better isn't it it's it's not all fucking filthy some of it's just ever so slightly filthy Um, but I was asked to link this some way or other to tragedy and so I thought um, that this 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 poem really about um, uh, the human bladder and its inconsistencies uh, might be just the ticket it's called court short Returning late from Essex, I got down to the train and realised I really should have gone before I came. Still, the tube rolled in and on I got in the hope I'd get home fast. But another 15 minutes in, I knew I wouldn't last. (laughs) My tonsils started floating and I scrutinised the seating, wondering if it could stand little bit of seeping. <laughs> I clamped my knees together, but my bladder was not happy. And I shot a fairly envious glance at a baby in a nappy. <laughs> now, I didn't know the stations, but I'd heard that Newbury Park had a ladies on the platform, so I swiftly disembarked. The shock of finding no such thing. 
No such thing. Brought home some pressing facts. So I limped along the tarmac to a metal seat with slats. <laughs> and sat there in the shadows till no one was about and then rearranged me lower half and let the torrent out. <laughs> Jesus Christ almighty. It was a powerful pee. We had to lift me legs up as it spread out copiously. And just then, the last packed tube rolled in, warm and brightly lit, rather like my pool of pee, now steaming quite a bit. And my options at that moment seemed crystal clear to me, terminal embarrassment or getting home at three. So... I quickly hiked my knickers, got on board, shut my eyes as I felt residual trickling go down me inner thighs. <laughs> and my eyes stayed shut till Bethnal Green, where they got off really quick, but not before some bloke could shout, At least you didn't shit! <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, now, uh, moving on to other tragedies. I'll tell you what I link to tragedy. Um, there's been an awful lot I've seen over the last few days about women's body image, you know, and how much they hate themselves and all that. Girls, for fuck's sake, listen to me now. Listen to Auntie Mel, okay? You're sexy. You are sexy. Why, why try to keep up with the ladies as they wax and colour and peel and curl. Why bother so much with the feminine and the guff about being a girl? It seems such a waste of resources. All that suffering, it's a terrible pity. Especially when you consider the thought that generally, men ain't that picky. <laughs> you know, they, they like to suggest that they'd only consider a model or wag, when actually there's not a woman alive that some bloke or other won't shag. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a blatantly sexist assertion, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. All that alpha male crap masks the obvious fact we've had the power all along. They are desperate to stop women twigging that they would fuck a frog if it stopped hopping. <laughs> you don't have to try to entice a straight guy. You're sexy just doing your shopping. You're sexy because you're a woman, with or without teeth or hair. <laughs> you're the unconquered peak of that mountain. You are sexy because you are there. You're sexy from every perspective. Each crevice and fold a delight. You're sexy with scars. You'd be sexy with SARS. <laughs> Men do not put up much of a fight. So girls, please ditch the worry and the torment. Buy some cake! And the next dress size up. You could be 93, 30 stone, or a reek of pee. I guarantee you get a fuck. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, here we are. Thank you so much. Now, as many of you will know, uh, when you are a poet, you have to do a full-time job. Because no one gives a fuck, no one pays you anything. Um, and so uh, I was working for the last uh, five years on the Olympics, uh, doing recruitment. And 
I linked this to tragedy um, because it really was quite tragic what came across my desk. If you're doing a CV, ladies and gentlemen, do proofread your CV, don't just bell check it. On the other hand, um, it has provided me with what's known as found poetry or comedy gold. I promise you, I promise you every single thing I'm about to say to you has been lovingly cut and pasted from an actual CV, what I got. <laughs> Dear Miss Jones, I'm very attracted to your opening. <laughs> I have the ability to work a variety of shits. <laughs> including early, late weekend and split shits. <laughs> I have good written English and my oral is excellent. <laughs> I put everything into my wok. <laughs> my attendance and punctuality is impeachable. I'm healthy, good-looking, and also French. <laughs> I enjoy working with the pubic. I can cope with heavy periods. <laughs> I worked for one year as a pastry. <laughs> Qualifications level one, intra-fuction to English. <laughs> I always set myself up as a target and press myself until I hit it. <laughs> I cut up the food every day for 14 years, every day for 14 years. I also took part in the Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> I put 11% into everything I do. <laughs> I've been ill since 2010, but now I'm on the men. <laughs> I can make vegans free from desserts. I executed different kitchen labourers. I was a chef at a pub until my employer died. In my spare time, I work for the glory of God Almighty. Also needlework. <laughs> I'm very good at small children. <laughs> my duties included polishing the jeweler. I've listed my most popular positions. If you need any more details, please hesitate to contact me. Thank you. minutes. Okay, this is the title poem from my book. It was a tragedy because I was pissed uh, when I took the challenge to write a poem about bestiality using only words beginning with the letter M. <laughs> this is called... Mm. <laughs> my mucky mate Megan's monstrous moggy, Magdalena, made my mistress Mandy moan, mouthing meows mellifluously. Maybe Mandy missed meeting male members. Maybe many malicious macho men mauled my mistress's mound, making Mandy murmur muddled musings. Mutter mixed messages, make myriad mistakes. Mysterious. Meanwhile, my mucky mate Megan's monstrous moggy Magdalena moved. Muffwood. <laughs> Menacingly. 
Magdalena made moves many might mirror, mixing masturbatory mayhem, melting Mandy's misgivings, milking my mistress's meandering mucosal moisture meticulously. Mandy marooned, mouth more, more, make me marvellous. Magdalena munched muscularly. Minutely masticating, mechanically mincing Mandy's mind, maddeningly mainlining minge. Magnetic, messy, Moorish. Mel's memorandum must meet Magdalena. Thank you. Thank you. We're on at Figures of Speech. It's one o'clock at the Royal Oak. You'll find flyers all over the show in this room. Thank you so much. See if I can make it go down. <laughs> yes. So the tragedy of um, sporting uh, an extravagant moustache and big pointy shoes like this is I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, just how tiny is this man's penis? <laughs> My name is Alan Wilson, uh, or in predictive text, anal yoghurt. And this is the... Uh, the tragedy of being mainstream, middle-aged, middle of the road, mum, dad, we need to talk. It's nothing bad, it's just a bit awkward. I think you ought to sit down. Listen, it's, it's all, all over town. You might have already guessed, but I thought it best you hear it from me before it's too late. The thing is, see, mum, dad, I'm straight. <laughs> no, don't cry, Mum. Dad, no tears. You've got a straight son. I'm not gay. I'm not queer. It's going to be all right. And whilst I've got the two of you here, Mum, Dad, I'm white. <laughs> now, it's a bit of a knock. It's, it's a bit of a shock. I realize I'm not the black gay son you thought I'd be. It's going to get tough. I'll need your support. I'll be hoping for your help. I think you owe it to me. I mean, where am I going to find a niche white male heterosexual poetry workshop? <laughs> Tragic thing about being stuck in a relationship that you should have left a long time ago is actually not getting out of it, but writing a poem about it instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and hoping that will do the trick. It doesn't, but still. This is called, I'm out of here. I'm unwinding a coil, I'm untying a knot, I'm puncturing a hermetically sealed pot, I'm sliding out from under a log, releasing the pressure, escaping the smog to where the air is fresher. Have you heard the news? I'm pleasing myself, I'm squeezing out of tight shoes. 
I'm leaving this pig poke, I'm saving my bacon. You think it's a big joke? I'm busy escaping, contingent upon dodging flecks of spittle. This arena's been a little too astringent and brittle. Now I'm shifting coordinates, I'm moving the axes. I'm tearing the map up, I'm unraveling tapestries. I'm cauterizing this thing that disables and atrophies and numbs and cripples. I'm disconnecting the jumper lead cables. I'm uh, removing the crocodile clips from my nipples. The cut is reluctant, the sever severe. I'm not scared anymore like before. I couldn't run out of fear. Now I've run out of fear. I'm out of here. Thank you. And um, so what else is tragic? I think festival goers <laughs> who cannot find it in themselves to live for the moment and instead are living for the moment they're telling people how they were there living the moment. Now I didn't get to, did anybody get to Glastonbury? Yeah? No? Oh, well, I wanted to go. I go to a lot of festivals, but I, I didn't get there. So, but fortunately, uh, the BBC broadcast nearly all of Glastonbury on the telly, so you can have a kind of Glastonbury at home. And I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. And it's called Like Being There. Those Glastonbury tickets were there for the asking, but I was too late booking my festival escape. I thought about looking at the telly through a hedge. But instead, starting from the edge, I covered my TV with masking tape until nothing could be seen except for a tiny post-it note-sized shape in the middle of the screen. As the live footage was shown, I turned the volume up loud so it felt like I was actually there in the crowd, filming it all on my phone. Uh, what else is tragic? Well, I'm sticking my neck out of here a bit because um, uh, this is about the tragedy of being ginger. <laughs> Can split a room. Uh, I'm not ginger myself, but this was, this was a sp supposedly an empathetic piece. Uh, it's called A Verse to the Ginger Curse. One minute she's humping me, next thing she's dumping me. Suddenly she's my ex. I was perplexed. I said, was it the sex? She said, yes, especially when you undress. I said, what exactly is it about the naked me that makes you cringe? She said, quite matter-of-factly, you're a ginge. The in well, I cried like a drain. The injustice left me feeling strange. I needed a change. So I stopped sobbing and managed to find myself a new job in an afternoon. But no sooner was I hired than I got fired. I inquired as to why. Is it because you think I'm a whinger? They replied, no, it's because you're a ginger. I felt a tinge abused. I must confess, in desperation, I accused my own ginger mop and led it to the hairdresser for a crop. I stressed what I need is a bit off the top and a bit off the fringe. But the barber disagreed and said, fuck off, ginge. I felt bereft. I felt snubbed. So I left for the pub. At least I could console myself with a feast. I ordered lots to drink and tons of grub and I received it but I couldn't believe it I'd been refused I sorry I didn't receive it I couldn't believe I'd been refused confused I went to the counter and mused does my attempt to order that amount of booze uh, deserve to be met with a sort of contempt reserved for bingers the barman said no nah, we just don't serve gingers well talk about civil liberty infringers well I felt so buggered I turned to drugs I discovered some thugs who found me a dealer I said to him feel a vein rid me of the pain do the mainline thing he twiddled his gold ring and said, listen, punk, I might peddle junk and blow to any old lowlife, but I'm not convinced it pulls everyone out of a hole. I've got principles. I'd sooner sell my soul than syringe a ginger. 
the little shit, the cheek. Well, that was it. In a fit of pique, I flicked open my razor and thundered, my ginger days are numbered zero. I'm now the great exfoliating hero, and I shaved off every hair I could find. I'm on the attack, mind out, back, sack, and crack. I'm not going to take it. And by the time I was through, I was hairless and naked. But the abuse went on. As I stood there in the nude, where was it coming from? There's nobody with me, but I'm still getting booed. I speculated the source of the heckles was likely located in my very own freckles. And I was right, the little orange bastards were up for a fight. And I was ready to come out biting, but then I thought of the sight of me standing there with nothing but in my skin, gnawing at my arms, sinking my teeth in, like some pop-eating itself cult, adding injury to insult, uh, was not the ending I intended. So gingerly I surrendered. I ended up taking a completely different tack. I grew all my hair back and dyed it black. Time for a short one. So um, this is this is uh, about the tragedy of growing old, and all you, you young people have got to, this to look forward to. Um, boys, you're, you're going to get bald and suffer erectile dysfunction. Girls, you've got to, to look forward to hot flushes and dry vaginas. But the thing that will join us both is the inability to control your bladder. You will be peeing all the time, and at, sometimes at the most uh, intimate moments. So I've got this song, which goes, Every time we screw, before I'm through, I have to pee a little. Soon as I've come, I'm on the run to the lavatory to piddle. Once love has ended, we should both curl up in a ball. But my bladder's distended, and I hear the porcelain call. Every time we fuck, it's just my luck, I have to piss a little. That apres shag, light up a fag, is what I miss a little. Just one more sign of maturing, but how strange the change from semen to urine. <laughs> Every time we meet, make it on sweet. Thank you very much. I'd like to uh, see you all come to uh, Frigga's speech, one o'clock tomorrow afternoon downstairs at the Royal Oak. Thank you very much for having me. I hope that was tragic enough for your liking. Cheers. <laughs>
Yes, yeah, so Friggers of Speech is uh, a, a poetry uh, event we, ho- we host, uh, mostly open mic. Uh, and it's, that's just the title for it. We, uh, Mel and I, host it. It's once a month in Oddbins, in a, a, a wine mer- a large wine merchants, you know. So we have poetry and music. So you've got poets, musicians, inner wine merchants. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> And it turns out it turns out it's really popular, and, and they sell the wine incredibly cheaply, two pound a glass. So people tend to get a, tend to get a bit uh, tiddly, and it's it's a lot of fun. So we thought we'd uh, bring bring it up to Edinburgh uh, as a show, but not with the open bike. It's just uh, Mel's portion and my portion sort of interwoven. My first fringe, uh, I'm absolutely loving it. It's it's uh, exhausting. The flyering and, and stuff is is uh, is quite hectic. I had a I had a um, uh, a revelation today when I saw people on the Golden Mile with big banners, uh, and we have this big cardboard banner of saying "Friggers of Speech," and I thought I could just hold that up on a pole, you know, something really lightweight and strong. Where am I going to find that, you know, at sort of half an hour's notice? And then I go past this uh, these bins, and there's a um, a wrecked ironing board in there which I immediately attacked, ripped off one of the rods, which is just perfect. Uh, and I've now attached that to the, uh, to the back of the poster and it's, uh, it's got a banner, I've got a banner Doesn't out of an ironing board. How long have you been um, performing poetry for? Oh, about s- six years, writing poetry. Well, the reason I got into poetry was because I was writing um, uh, advertising copy and jingles and stuff. I've, I've w- worked in radio all my life. Uh, and then when that finished, um, suddenly, <laughs> um, I, I, I had to uh, channel all this creative juice somewhere, uh, and I realised that you know the stuff I've been writing were like mini poems. So that I just expanded that and started going to uh, this amazing little uh, poetry event called Unplugged, uh, run by Niall O'Sullivan in uh, Covent Garden at the Poetry Cafe and went there week after week checking out what people were doing and thinking to myself well you know i think i can do that and so i did it and it i discovered i could <laughs> i really enjoy it do you get much inspiration from tragedy yes i'm i'm a, I'm a painter as well uh, i think that a lot of my poems are, are, are kind of if, if they're tragic they're comic comic tragedy uh, so the stuff i'm going to do tonight i will have to sort of um I shall have to twist some tragedy out of it because I don't really write tragic uh, poetry, although some of it, I suppose, could be considered that. Uh, most of the stuff is, is smut, filth, wordplay, uh, and just ideas, concepts that come into my head and I, and I will weave a poem around it. Do you enjoy trying to provoke a, a reaction from the audience? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The thing is that I'm, uh, I'm, a, um, I'm an elderly gentleman and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the idea of hearing all this filth and smut coming out of this old gentleman standing up is, is usually comes as quite a shock to the audience. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of fun, yes. Now, I don't mind, you know, uh, the expletives come out and, and the audience reaction is wonderful. But if it's funny, it's, I, I never sort of swear for the sake of it. It'll only be there if, if it's got, you know, um, comic value. Do you, is there a difference between the way you deal with maybe present tragedies in your personal life, in your own life, on and off stage? Um, well, the thing about uh, some tragedies, as will be revealed in, in tonight's performance, is that a lot of the stuff is things I should have done 
but instead wrote a poem about it. And so it's cathartic that way. You write a poem about what, you, how you think things should have should have occurred. Uh, they don't really. Some, you know, sometimes one will trigger the other, but um, it's a, it's it's an outlet. Write, writing about the tragedy is, is sometimes averts the tragedy itself. You know, so you get it off your shoulders and um, uh, off your chest, rather not off your shoulders, or off your chest and shoulders and off your head. Um, so as a first time festival goer. How has this fringe struck you so far for sharing ideas between artists? It's fabulous. The camaraderie mostly is is fantastic. I mean, people do help each other out. We've been flyering other people's gigs. Other people have been flyering ours. We we cross pollinate. Uh, we you know send people along to um, things we think are really good. Uh, tell people, warn people against things which we think are absolute crap, <laughs> which there was one, but we shan't discuss that. On. You can find more Mel Jones at www.meljones-poet.co.uk and Friggers of Speech runs monthly in London, so go and find that and check that out. And now, a stand-up tragedy exclusive. Let me present Mel Jones's method for making mischief at the Fringe. So you can find more tragedy if you go over to our website www.standuptragedy.co.uk our podcast is coming out every day of the fringe we're on soundcloud where you can download us or you can just stream us one thing we'd like to have is some comments on our soundcloud if you've got a soundcloud account please repost us on your account we want to share the tragedy in as many places Share your tragic moments with us, hashtag tragic moments. Come and say hello to us, share your tragic moments with us on the Royal Mile. Remember, tragedy is always best shared. And for now, this tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiojuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the Reactionaries with added bagpipes from Vaughan Granding. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over. To go.